looking at the number one California, here we come Right back where we started from Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton Driving down the 101 California, here we come Right back where we started from California Welcome to the OCD Bitch, the show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts. The OC, I am your host as always, Mike, and with me is my best pal, my boon companion. Give it up for Ryan. You forgot to mention- Ryan, you stepped on their applause. Oh, I'm so sorry. And now you can go. What? What did I forget to mention? Uh, that uh, All of those titles that you said, um, also Mother of Dragons, also Dragons. Uh, Consummate, Professional, Rager Thrower. That's just me. That's just what I do. I can't not, you know? You try to throw uh, a little dinner party, and there's a hundred fucking high schoolers there. That They all wait outside until there's a hundred of them, and then they all come in at the same time, and they're adorable. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you do teach drama kids, so they have a flair for the dramatic. They, <laughs> they know all about expectations. They wait until my chandelier is ready to s- gently land on the ground for no reason, and then they begin the show. They begin... We- Have you ever been to the kind of concert where there's so many people, the floor is shaking beneath you, or does that not happen post-70s? I've been to uh, sports playoff games, and I know you don't know the wor- what any of those three words mean. Um, I've played games like Jenga. Jenga, yes. I've been to the, I went to the Jenga Nationals. Uh, oh! Yeah. And Anna Kendrick took it down because she kept slamming Jenga things on the ground and singing. That's what she does. What else She's do you need? About. In life? Yeah. Other than Anna Kendrick's slamming Jenga to the ground and singing? Yes. Nothing. I don't need food. I don't need water. I don't need oxygen. I just need that on loop. But yeah, I, I have those. Are the, that, I mean, I don't really go to like concert concerts, you know, where that would happen. Um, it, you're saying that it has not happened since the 70s? Since Rush like was on tour? Yeah, Rush. Not only did Rush bring it, the Holy Trinity. But I think buildings are just up to code these days, where before they were like, who cares? It's not rock and roll to check with the fire marshal. What about uh, S&M, which I believe stood for Symphony and Metallica? Uh-huh. Was that, do, you think, do you remember that? Do you remember that I huge fucking, thing in, in our lives? I loved that. Not, not specifically. That's like the only Metallica I kind of liked, but it also got me into just all rock and roll with orchestras. Like I, did, I didn't get into that album, but I just saw out anybody else who was doing that same thing. It's crazy. I uh, this would be perfected many many years later by the plain white tees. But it's crazy how any garbage song with a little bit of strings can now seem so so important. Like it's probably why everybody's like, "Wait, we could do that." If fucking Enter Sandman. I assume that uh, "Hey There Delilah" is about uh, AIDS and apartheid, just because of how important it sounds the entire time. Apartheid. That's what it's about. It's about Irish people talking about the situation in South Africa. <laughs> apartheid. <laughs> Do Irish people have news where they have to try and say these words? <laughs> All Irish news is them trying to say vocabulary sent in by other countries. It's fucked up, but it's also the best show on TV. Oh, come on. Why would you put this? It's on a cue card. What is the biggest party you've thrown? What's the craziest shit that's happened? I've had a couple where it wasn't 100 people that waited outside the door for the right time. But I've had a couple where it almost seemed like... There was 10 people, there was 12 people, there was 13 people, and then there was 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. And please do not confuse this with me saying that I am popular or have a lot of friends, okay? This is just strictly, there was a time in your life, there's an age in your life, mm-hmm. where, um, especially if you live around a high school, if your music is loud enough, people will just flock there. 
like moths to a goddamn flame. But these moths may have chains and little baseball bats, and maybe their heads are a little more shaved than for your liking. Where we grow, the, it's one of the most realistic things this show has ever done is kids do just show up and take over. Uh, what it didn't do is, the, all the times I've had that happen, they were always angry and wanted to fight the party instantly. Yeah, absolutely. They were never like, uh, it's never like, oh, great, a bunch of cool new bros are here. Nope, it's they want to fight the the physical structure of the house. And I have to. <laughs> and I have. Well, look at that. Look at how that house was built. They're just pissed off at poor architecture. <laughs> um, I have to assume that it's not something different happens every time. But instead, maybe these gentlemen, and it's typically gentlemen, uh, had this in mind before they even got to the house. I'm I'm sure that I also like when I was in high school there was a crew you'd like and they'd send in like one runner but people eventually got to know him and you're like oh fuck lock it down now we're gonna call the cops I think it's too it uh, it may depend on the type of crew you're in because if you get to an uh, like a rager as tonight's episode of the OC is called um, between like nine to eleven never forget then that means that you're there to drink and have a good time mm-hmm. if you get there between eleven and one you're there to fight and I'm I'm curious. Is it based on when particular crews and particular mindsets go out? Or whatever crew you're in, you just have to check the clock. And you're like, oh, it's 11.15. I guess we're a fighting crew tonight. And then you just <laughs> go in there and bust ass. I was sleepy, but we <laughs> got off work late. So now I'm going to fight somebody, we, even though they have pretty good champagne. We all worked at our uh, shift at Big Lots and have nothing to complain about. But I guess we're fighting tonight. <laughs> Ryan, let's dive right in. It is Trey's 21st birthday, and Marissa is anxious to help Ryan and Trey forge a relationship after the downfall of Trey's thievery. So she throws a little soiree for Trey at the Cooper Nickel Mansion that explodes into the aforementioned ranger, and things, as they always do with ragers, go awry. Meanwhile, Seth is at his sethiest when the new comic executive he and Zach are supposed to work with happens to be a hot older gal. Mean, meanwhile, Sandy and Carter getting closer, much to Kiki's chagrin, and Julie... Reconnects with Lance, all that and more on tonight's The O.C.D. Ryan, Trey is moving out this breakfast time. Sanders offering to help him, to drive him, giving him things. Uh, and Trey, who I, I didn't like at first as like an actor, uh, and he's holding it down. He, he gets misty-eyed more than any other character. And he's just like, you know, not many people have taken an ex-con, Sandy, but... Ryan's so lucky to have you. Like, he really seems like he, even though he always does dumb, selfish things, is really fighting against it. There's a couple of times in this episode, way fewer than any other episode so far, where I don't approve of, I rarely approve of Trey's choices, and (laughs) uh, I don't approve of some of Logan Thomas Hardy's choices. Uh, (laughs) But it's way less in this episode. Uh, If I can go to one real quick, um, Marissa comes over to uh, take him out just the two of them for dinner. We don't know it's a surprise uh-huh. yet. And he goes, he's like, well, let me get my keys. And then I'll lock my door. And he just does goofy movements. Like, he's such a weirdo. But I would say a market improvement since he first showed up. Maybe they sent him to acting school. They probably sent him to just acting like school. For just a week of boot camp acting. The, uh, they just made him watch early Tom Hardy movies. They're like, just watch Bronson. Please fix your shit. The problem was that it was initially um, Russian Bear Clown School. So he was always on a unicycle uh, singing the Russian anthem. And he is this whole episode, but they just kind of cut it out and edited it. Well, they wrote it into the script, so everything makes sense. It's much more organic. Yes, that's what you want. If, if your actor's pregnant or if they went to Russian Bear Unicycle School, now, just put it in the script. Trey hits the nook first. 
So yeah. does that sort of tell you, like, are we at the point now where that sort of tells us what kind of episode it's going to be? A tray-based app? Yeah, I mean, like, he's going to have a lot of decisions to make and a lot of control, because mm-hmm. if you're in the breakfast nook, you control the show. If you control the waffle maker, you control the show. That's what they say at the Cohen household. The breakfast nook is like uh, in Dr. Strangelove. You know how it sort of created that underground uh, place with maps everywhere that a bunch of old uh-huh. white men scream at each other and control the world? That's what the, yes. that's what the kitchen is of the OC. But instead, they're quipping about bagels. Uh, so Trey's running out. He's not even trying to get Ryan to help him. And he goes to shake Ryan's hand. He's like, hey, thank you, man, for everything. Ryan won't even shake his hand or accept his apology. Uh, Sandy says, yeah, uh, Trey, I'll, I'll be in the car. Because you always got to – it takes 20 or 30 minutes to start an engine. So you have to go – you have to yes. leave the room before. Got to prime it. And uh, Ryan says, you don't want to keep Sandy waiting. And – do you think that you are capable of this? When somebody puts their hand out, is there anybody that you hate so much or are so awkward with where you really won't just put your stupid hand in their hand? I think if I want to do a power move, uh, I'll instead grab both of their shoulders awkwardly and kind of shake them, and neither of us will know what's going on. You used to have that thing where you would slide one nut into their hand instead of shaking yeah. it. I'm glad you stopped doing that. It's just... I, I didn't realize how many people were allergic to peanuts, so I had to stop it. Sandy also, he knows there's tension, which is why he's going to go start the car super early. But I do, he's just like, hey guys, I don't know who's wrong, but your brothers, fucking get over this shit. This has been a, uh, a common recent Sandy methodology of, like, he's not upset that he doesn't have all the information, which most adults mm-hmm. are. Most adults want all information. But he's just like, every, just so everybody knows, I know something is up. And I want you to fix it, because I'm Sandy Cohen. Peace. I think he's tired. He just wants to surf. He used to think he wanted to be in everybody's business, and now he's like, nah, I'm just going to go surf. I'm out of this shit. What he needs is a good surfing friend that he can totally trust and will never stab him in the back. Yes, I think that's exactly what he needs. We'll see if that happens. So uh, Seth and Marissa want to give Trey a housewarming gift, and Ryan tells them they are not allowed to when they all meet up, because Ryan is full, full force douchebag this episode. Let's jump over. Uh, we find out that Newport Living, its first issue, did come out. They had to take Julie off the cover because of the porn debacle. Uh, and they have a liable suit because Connor wrote a very unflattering picture of like some sort of Newport politico. Yeah, he found somebody in, uh, that like is, pro- is clearly an awful person in real life and knows it, mm-hmm. but has the money and the time to sue for libel. Uh, a, a Nunez type. I don't know if it's there yet. Maybe not in uh, 2004, but if it's a California politician, a Devin Nunez type for sure. Devin Nunez used to be a California politician? He still is. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, I just thought he was. He might be Riverside. He, he feels very Riverside. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, only Riverside sues cows. But, uh, so Connor's like, hey, I like Sandy. Can can he represent us for this? Let, let, let me meet him. And Kirsten straight up goes, <laughs> in his face until Julie walks in early from Italy. Kirsten is praying to God that it's her face in front of the camera and that there's a lot of dramatic irony going on and only we can see her face while Sandy is in the closet. Otherwise, Sandy's going to know that she just said with her face, uh. Uh. I'm fine. Like Sandy definitely doesn't know. I'd be embarrassed. Connor definitely knows. He saw her. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, Julie comes to interrupt that tense moment. Uh, Cal is still in Rome, and she's 
like, it's fine. I had so much to do. I couldn't leave you guys here alone. And they're very nervous about telling her she's not on the cover. There's so many letters. And pe- advertisers threaten to pull out. Yeah, because you know what people won't do is buy a magazine built by somebody who just had a giant porn scandal. Nobody's going to buy that. With the exception of Summer Roberts, this show does a really good job of not revealing whether or not someone is lying, but just be- being very straight up, up front about the fact that everyone is constantly lying all of the time. <laughs> all of the Even time. Sandy Cohen is still lying in his own way. Summer Roberts is the most genuine. I mean, she's she's an asshole, but uh, she I don't think she lies a lot. Everyone else is like, it, there's never a big reveal of, oh, I thought that was true, and it's not. I think she's reformed because she was such an asshole and realized she was an asshole at a young age, uh, and nobody else is willing to do that hard work that she did in season one. Well, when the creator wants to uh, jerk off to your feet the way that Caleb wants to do to both Kirsten and Haley's feet, then yeah, I think that that's the lines you get. Uh, Connor and Kiki are very surprised because Julie says, no, you did the right thing. That was a smart business move and walks out and they're like, oh no, something is definitely wrong. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's the thing. They're right. Something is definitely wrong. I bet they couldn't guess because this is a very strong Julie episode for the first half. For the first half, Julie is kind of cool and making some good decisions. Yeah, this is a this is a great Julie episode. It's almost like she was in the breakfast nook with Trey making bagels for everybody. She was. She was just in the bushes outside the window listening and whispering to chime in. <laughs> and then the, the final big plot point that will be traveling through the episode, uh, Zach and Seth have a meeting to remind themselves and us that they still are working on this comic book. Uh, Zach wants to do the talking. They have a meeting with an executive. This is like their pre-meeting. And Seth is like, no, I'm calm. I'm well-rested. I do like that Zach's nutted up enough to be like, you really ruined it last time. Please let me be the one to handle this shit. And Seth, this is not foreshadowing. Please don't fuck this <laughs> up, and I know that you won't. I love it. I believe in you if you let me talk. It's fine. <laughs> I loved how in your intro um, you said that uh, they get involved, let's say, with Reed, an older woman who is now 25 years our junior. Older to the high school kids. Still. she's. I just want to be younger than everyone, Mike. <laughs> Just it's a state of mind. Uh, Summer rolls up and and Seth starts talking about jetpacks because she's saying like, "Look, I think it's dumb that you guys are working together. It's a bad idea for everybody. So I'm just gonna pretend your little comic book doesn't exist. I'm sure that also won't bite anybody in the ass later." Oh yeah, for uh, in a show where everyone's at fault always, this is how Summer puts her foot in the fault pile. You can't think it's that this is a good barely, thing to do. It's a toe she should definitely kept covered around Josh Schwartz in that fault pile. It's not the full foot like everybody else is. It's a toe with a ring that Josh Schwartz would suck right off. <laughs> it, it, it really just, she should know that she's dating a dirtbag heavily based on Josh Schwartz <laughs> and that he will take any excuse to worm his way around and piss her off. Uh, so, this is a creator of so many of shows we like. This is, so, we're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about Sandy and Carter. Connor? Carter. Ryan. So Carter is on a mission to get Sandy to uh, represent them for the libel suit. When he rolls in... Hold on! Hold on. Carter's on a mission to get Sandy... Carter begins his mission by going to Sandy's office and saying, Hey, Sandy, I think I'm about to get sued for libel. But Mike, based on this episode called The Rager and nothing else, what's his actual fucking mission here? Is it... Does he want to get to know better the husband of his crush? I think it feels like, and maybe I'm way misreading this, that he does want to get to know better the husband of his crush. It's really hard to uh, repeat the sentences you say. Uh, <laughs> I know. I use words well. Uh, I think he wants to get to know him better because he's like, well, I got to make this crush go away. Like, he's he's pretty open about it. He's talking about the crush with 
at least with Kirsten, he's trying to be an adult. And when he's not shit-faced, he's being real good about this. So, so between um, Carter going to Sandy for the reason that you believe to be mm-hmm. true and Kirsten straight up into the camera <laughs> moment, you are now Team Carter yes. over Team Kirsten on a podcast that we have established over 80 episodes is clearly Team Kirsten. But she's fucking up hard these days and has she been is fuck- for a few episodes. She- She's her goddamn son's mother, mm-hmm. dude. She is being a righteous so butthole right now. Like, where did Seth get it from? Oh. Oh. I mean, she got raised by Caleb Nickel. There's going to be some dirt back That's in true. <laughs> but yeah, Sandy, it's not enough that he has a fucking beach bungalow law office that he's mostly just covered in salt and sand all the time. He is now uh, handcrafting a surfboard coffee table. We get it. We get it, dude. You don't really want to practice law. Do you know what's weird is that uh, Caleb Nickel raised Kirsten, but depending on what Kirsten's wearing, she can raise Caleb. Mm. I said I said only one per episode. I apologize. And that's two or four now. <laughs> that's two. That's only two. I'll be done. Uh, Sandy instantly jumps. He doesn't really want to take the case. He will, but he's like, "Let's go surfing." And Carter says, "Every excuse did not like it has been so long, and I'll have a board." And Sandy's like, "We're going. We're going, bro. We're going." He just wants to have. He wants that new Jimmy. But yes, this is like this is a recurring theme throughout the OC. Or I don't know if it's a theme, but it's something it's a plot point that's popped up a lot, which is that Sandy loves his family more than anyone loves their family. And he likes his uh he likes his like uh career, if not the particular pass it takes, he likes the fact that he's a lawyer. But this motherfucker needs yes. friends. He needs a crew to roll with, and he is always thinking about it. Aren't you? I mean, you have friends, so I guess not. But like, he just can't keep a friend. They either go to jail or move far away to Japan. Uh, I guess uh, hang out with people that don't want to bang your wife would be a number one. That is a weird common thread of who his friends are. I guess he's a pretty like lazy friend haver, and he's like, "What other man my age is around? One that wants to bang my wife? I guess we're friends now." But that's not good bait to meet no. people. Like, you shouldn't go to like meetups that are called, hey, do you like Kirsten Cohen? And then uh, ingratiate yourself into their lives. I mean, it's why I became friends with your wife. Because right. I bang you. I wanted to make that very clear. <laughs> his wife, who I don't want to bang, but his tiny butt, I there, do. They go surfing and they meet Aaron to hint that Sandy has other friends we've never seen or heard about. Uh, and and Carter does the very like he seems like he always wants to be suave, but he, I feel like he bumble flirts very well because she's like, "Oh, how was the waves?" And he's like, "Well, I mastered hitting myself in the with the board three times." And she's into yes, that. Board, I I don't know a lot about surfing, but I'm pretty sure that there's no wave that would last long enough where you could hit yourself in the face with a board three times while it's no. happening. Doesn't matter. Uh, Aaron walks up, and I get it. Her and Sandy have a very like platonic friendly bond. Aaron could be one of Sandy's friends. Yes. Okay, but that's not the society that we live in because if you hang out with someone like Aaron, who I'm going to venture to say is borderline perfect, mm-hmm. you know, like great job, incredible looking, super nice, super funny. Um, Kirsten's probably going to have a problem with yeah. that. I don't know if Kirsten has a leg to stand on. No, but it's also like she wouldn't be wrong only that Sandy has been so clouded or like, no, every time he's like, no, this is innocent, this is innocent until it's way too late in the game. So Aaron comes up, and Aaron and Carter do have a spark, mm-hmm. but it's very specifically. I don't know if you noticed this. We are both attractive and should have sex sparks. Yes. There's no, there's no actual like personality chemistry going on. It's just like, look at your head, look at my head. We should probably get it on. Let's slowly peel these wetsuits off and ignore each other's sand welts. <laughs> 
Does let me ask you this? I don't know if I've asked you this before. Does Carter Buckley? Does Billy Campbell have a? Um, I always want to root for him and should be the hero face, or does he have the type of face that is like, yeah, I don't really trust him, and I think that he might be an evil character every time I see it's him. A- Eric Bana esque. So okay, it's it's both. I it feels it's a very human face of like I want to punch you all the time while I root for you. Is his is the reason that his career fizzled not because the Rocketeer fizzled, which is bullshit, and there should have been as many sequels as we have movies <laughs> wow. every year. Seven hundred Rocketeer movies should I think come that out. Would, that, that, that's burnout, my friend. I uh, that would be one. The Rocketeer colon burnout. Have you ever had colon burnout? <laughs> not in a week or so. Were you making a point? Uh, yeah, sorry. Is it his name? Vin Diesel. You just said Eric Bana, which is not the best name, but it's memorable. Bill Campbell? What Billy the? F- Campbell. That's your yeah, plumber. That's a third grader I went to fourth grade with. That is not. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he was smart or you yep. were stupid? So uh, Sandy is pumped because he saw the sex sparks fly between them. And he's like, oh, I'm going to help my friends rail. That's a good friend. Uh, and Kirsten seems surprised by this that they want that Sandy wants to make the sparks fly. And it seems like it's because Sandy never wants to be involved right. in matchmaking. And so Kirsten's able to cover up her. Uh, with that goes, you're serious fine sure yeah. like, neither of those are great responses dude and when they come for the double date dinner at the uh cohen's house carter is all spiffed up because sandy said spiff up and i don't think we've seen this guy in normal adult clothes yet and he's he's a good yeah uh, billy campbell billy campbell is a good looking can of suit but i will say this uh suit shirt no tie mm-hmm I like it, right? It looks classy. It looks like that you're going to fucking find Danny Ocean and rob a casino with him. The problem is black undershirt with a high neck. And I know we're, that, we're not doing orange couture right now, and the reason we're not is because that's not fucking no, orange couture. That looks that like looks, shit. Yeah, that's some fucking Midwest oaky couture. Wear an undershirt that you cannot see and is definitely not black, you fucking yeah, idiot. Yeah, it's going to shine right through your white shirt. People want to see the nips. Aaron and uh, Carter have still that like same like, I guess it counts as sort of chemistry. And Sandy is fucking loving it. Mm-hmm. So Sandy and Aaron and Carter are loving the dinner. Is that all the people that were there? Is just those no, three? No, no. Kiki was there as well, Ryan. Oh, she was. That's right. Uh, it starts off pretty early. Carter's like, hey, I hope this isn't weird. But, you know, we we can't. In so many words, he's like, well, this can't happen. And I live here now, so this is going to happen. Like, I, this is why I'm pro Carter for this app. He's fully laying it on the table. It's like, this makes sense. Duh. And she's just like, mm, no. And right now, right now we're still sort of confused because we can see, based on watching the show for as long as we have, that any character like Carter could stab someone in the back at any right. point. But you're right. For right now, for just this episode, for the Rager, he is. He seems to be doing the right thing. His life is intertwined with the Coens. He has to get over this crush, and it would be it would behoove him to be friends with Sandy and go out with yes. Aaron. It would behoove him. The worst thing he does this episode is when they're all talking about like the libel suit and his his printing days in general. He says, at the risk of sounding pompous, which you, that's it's a no offense. You're still going to say something shitty. He says, if you're not going to print the truth, what's the point? It's like, we fi- put that on your business card, man. Shut up. And then sparks are flying. Sandy has to go. Uh, so it's, And then Carter's like, I guess I'll leave two for a second. And uh, Kirsten warns Aaron. 
be like, hey, I know he seems really fun and you guys look like you're going to rail, but his divorce was so hard on him. He is such a fragile little man right now. I'm just saying, do whatever you want to do, but you should know. And here we go. <laughs> Mother of Seth, friend of Julie Cooper. That is Julie Cooper. Judger, judger of both has, apropos of nothing, there is no intro to this. There is nothing that would jog her memory. She is clearly out on a mission to say, oh, just so you know, although you guys have, uh, you guys both have perfect heads, and that's awesome, <laughs> and people with perfect heads should totally rail. They're the appropriate size. Uh, in the future, two people with very inappropriately sized heads will podcast about this episode, but for right now, you two have perfect heads. Maybe you shouldn't rail, because I'm just going to make some shit up. And it's based on truth. But it's mostly lies, and again, apropos of yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's that, that fake friend bullshit. That's classic OC, baby. But why doesn't Aaron, and I'm not victim-blaming here, Kirsten is at fault, but why doesn't Aaron say, like, oh, man, you fucking jealous white bitch. <laughs> you mean, old asshole. I mean, that would come on why, I, I'm on, No, just think it. Oh, okay. Because Aaron, Aaron immediately reacts and says, oh, she's looking out for me. I'm going to dump Carter immediately without ever thinking that, oh, this person is uh, staying around the rock of fucking tear and probably wants some of that. This person who anytime Carter talked to her all dinner, she just went, ooh. <laughs> By the way, c- congrats to the writers for figuring out a way to just not give a shit about one character's dialogue <laughs> and just be able to... How do you think they spelled it every time different ways, every she came time. up in the script? If you, if you do it like closed captioning audio, it's going to sound different every time when it reads it. Was the director screaming at Kirsten? I want it different. Do it different. A different version. Now you're happy about not knowing your words. Uh. There it is. And on that, we have to take a break. When we come back, let's dig into Trey, Marissa, and Ryan. Ryan, this whole shindig starts not just because Ryan won't shake Trey's hand, but uh, Marissa, against Ryan's wishes, does give Trey a housewarming gift. And it's a lava lamp. And it perfectly matches. All he has so far is a fucking beanbag chair. Yeah, he went to Dorms R Us. And he bought one of the two things at the store. The thing he did not buy was the Scarface poster. And now he is ready to be on every campus in San Diego. Well, I assume because Marissa also went to Dorms R Us, got the lava lamp, that Seth will come by at some point next episode with the Scarface poster. And just like for kicks, a Bob Marley one that goes underneath it. With, instead of Al Pacino's face, uh, Adam Brody's face. If I got you a Scarface poster, but it was Adam Brody instead of Al Pacino, would you hang that on your wall? Hell yes, I would. Would you hang that on a wall that your wife can see? I would frame it. It would be above our bed. It wouldn't be on the wall. It would be in the ceiling. (laughs) And you just pretend it's a mirror? (laughs) Try to make both of their faces at once. Uh, We find out that it's Trey's 21st birthday on Saturday. Not only was the birthday not talked about, it's his 21st, which seems like kind of a big deal. I guess, but if you've been in prison, it seems a little anticlimactic. Yes, that point I do believe is made here. Uh, what's sadder than Trey not remembering, that kind of makes sense, actually. You're not caring. It's a Ryan totally fucking forgets. Feels bad for a second you can see on his face and like steals himself. And he's like, no, he's now, pissed me off. I, <laughs> Which, it's... It's rough to be on the uh, you pissed off Ryan Atwood list because it's literally everyone, and so we can all bond with that. Um, You have already, in this episode, talked shit on how Ryan is handling this episode of The O.C. Um, He asked Marissa and Seth to leave his brother alone because he knows him better 
than anyone else. And also, Trey seems to be like a little bit of dynamite that is already half lit. And they didn't follow his orders. Not orders. That's a bad way of saying it. But and, he's delivering it like they are orders. And you're saying that Ryan is the a- asshole. Is there a way of looking at this where Marissa and Seth should just go do any of the other shit they have to do? I think, one, it's clear Marissa has nothing. She's no longer social chair for the school. She quit everything. She's got nothing going on. Uh, and Seth, the only time Seth is a good person in this episode is when he's dealing with Trey. No, Ryan's fully at fault. I think if somebody's, I don't know, trying to reintegrate into society, you shouldn't leave them alone to rectify by themselves. You should fucking welcome them in with warm, loving, lava lamp giving arms. Trey is clearly incapable of not fucking up immediately. Like, as soon as fucking possible. And so what he's asking for is like, hey, Marissa and Seth, don't spiral down the toilet with him like he is trying to get me to do and I'm not doing. I have but known he, I have known him for 17 years. You have known him for two weeks. How about we just listen to me real quick for one second? No, because he's being a prick about it. He's not talking to them. He's just saying, no, I, I don't think isolating the dude is going to make him better in society. So he should have thrown You a, hate prison reform. <laughs> they should have thrown a full-on MUN conference to talk about all of the ins and outs of the advantages and disadvantages of yes. helping... Trey Atwood move into his house with, God forbid, not a lava lamp. Yes. So they can say the delegate from Newport would like to have the floor, and then they are all the delegate of Newport. Now, there's the other side of this, which now, uh-huh. you, have to, now you have to argue my side. Um, they want to just bring over a lava lamp, and he's saying, no, you must do my bidding at all times. I'm the Atwood, and my word has been spoken. Yes. Now I have to argue that's yeah. a good thing for Sam to do. <laughs> now, now you have to argue my side and He's say why Atwood. Atwood's right. <laughs> He's super moral. He's always right. Just listen to him and his leather cuffs. And uh, I don't know if we want to jump to this yet, so I'm just going to talk about it like vaguely. But the reason that Atwood has to apologize to Trey is because Ryan fucked up. You know? Yeah. Ryan right. did fuck up. So Let's get to the beginning real quick, though. Uh, Marissa comes over. And Trey says, hey, do you want a drink? I, can I get you something to drink? She says, no, I'm okay. Then Marissa goes to the Atwood, or to the Cohen's house, and Ryan says, hey, can I get you a drink? They both offered Marissa a drink. What is this saying about politics in our generation? I think it's mostly saying that the delicate of Newport looks a little thirsty. <laughs> Everybody wants to give her a drink. Uh so Marissa runs over, after, like she sees Trey, gives him a love lamp, runs to Ryan's house. Not runs, just goes to hang out. He's like, hey, motherfucker, it's his birthday. Uh, and he is so mad. He says, if everyone just let me handle this from the beginning, none of this would have happened. I guess he's referring to like the egg debacle, but it just seems like <laughs> Trey living a human life. Like he is furious Trey's back. And if this, is your, fir- if this is your first episode of the OCD, um, Trey tried to steal from an auction the egg, the glass <laughs> egg from Risky Business. Trey, it's not like in the last episode, Trey sat down on a nest and laid an entire egg and Ryan got very mad <laughs> and kicked him out of so the house. I'm so embarrassed. You get out of my house. I wanted, to keep, some... I wanted to keep one thing a secret in my family. <laughs> some Chino shit. You do not bring it here. Oh, you, can have, it. you can have one of those Chino parties where we all take a squat and pop an egg out. I do like uh, Summer in a not Ryan way, but she's trying to get marissa to back off too she's like ryan saying chill out she's like also you have to be the most supportive non-girlfriend in the history of the goddamn high school uh-huh and calling and marissa keeps being like no we're just friends but she's really doing a lot 
Oh, man. There's a moment, again, we'll get to it later, where they make eyes. Ryan and Marissa make eyes at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan starts making eyes about three seconds before they kiss, or are about to kiss. Marissa starts making eyes at Ryan. Six weeks. six weeks ago, Mike. <laughs> I fucking I made your joke better because I said six instead of four. You, well, you took a breath, so I thought it meant I could interrupt your sentence. So everybody's coming out on top. Uh, a thing that we'll get to next episode. But so Summer says you're the most supportive non girlfriend in history, and Mercer's like, "Come on, if something super important was going on in Seth's life, you'd be there for him, right?" And Summer looks dejected. <laughs> yes, because uh, she's trying to ignore this comic book that could be Seth's ticket out of that mansion. <laughs> Finally, on the on the mean streets of the gutters of not living in a mansion and trying to make comic books. And then in a in a one two punch, I assume they coordinated off screen. Uh, so Marissa tried to get Ryan to accept Trey's birthday, and he says no. Uh, Seth is like, "Come on, it's four syllables. Happy birthday! You can say it. Let's just go over there." Uh, and because Trey's leaving his house when they roll up, they're very sp- suspicious. And because he hops into a Camaro, which I didn't know was a suspicious car. Uh, they turn into the fucking farty boys and decide to follow him across town. Based on watching every episode of The O.C. dozens of times and watching every episode of Gotham, uh, it's only four syllables was both Seth talking to Ryan and also Adam Brody talking to Benjamin McKenzie saying, come on, bud, you can at least <laughs> act your way through these four syllables, right? No, don't tilt your head that much. No, <laughs> no, 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 it's, no you're, now you're on the ground. <laughs> Why are you sleeping on the ground? Whatever you want me to be. Uh, so they see they fo- they follow Trey to wherever and see him hop out of the car and, and give somebody money, uh, and then it's a commercial break. The next time we see Ryan, it's in the morning. Uh, he knocks on Trey's door. Trey opens the door and Ryan tackles him right into the wall. Okay, so a couple of insanely stupid things about this whole segment you just described. One, uh, absolutely do the farty boys. Go follow that shit. Right, Trey is a fucking loose cannon. Um, Trey eventually exclaims that he had he was friends with a guy in prison who was uh, let out and is now homeless, and he was giving him five dollars. Uh, Trey gave him a wad of five dollars, like that was a lot of cash that he handed him. And the guy came out and he was like fifty years old with long hair. And if my mom taught me anything, it's don't trust men that are fifty years old with long hair. Like I have my she entire life. She's just talking about your dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll have shitty kids you don't want to talk to. And then. Spit on you. So whatever Trey's story was feels like bullshit. Although that's never like proved in this episode. The other thing is Atwood was like Ryan Atwood was like, you know what? I'm so mad right now. I'm gonna go home, get a full night's sleep, come <laughs> go to his house in the morning, and then attack him the second I see him. Well, they were supposed to go out and get Thai food, and they were just gonna quickly go say hello to Trey on their errand to provide dinner for the family. So after their three-hour tour throughout the mean streets of Orange County, I think they're like, "Oh fuck, we gotta get home." But then it gets even better. It gets even better. You know, nobody on this show has spent enough time with each other, as much time with each other as I have with them. So I know them all better than they know each other. Sure. But after uh, Trey is attacked by his brother and then proves what he was doing by saying no i gave i gave ryan's father five dollars uh he says oh i saw you out there and i thought oh look my brother came over to take me out to breakfast for my birthday that's bulls there's no reason to think that would happen what i would 
You would if what? If you showed up at my door, I assumed you would be there to take me to breakfast yes. for my birthday, no matter what month it is. We don't have a past mic of kicking the uh, shit out of each other every time we see each other, and a future of getting blown away. <laughs> what I do, he says that, and he's like, maybe I'm the idiot. And Ryan turns around to say something, like, I don't know if it was going to be an anger retort or I'm sorry, and Trey just slams that door no. so hard in his face. This is moment of the week. Because, no, this is like, this is the most revelatory that Ryan Atwood has ever been. He turns around to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, my bad brother, and I will trust you forever. He's got this smile on his face, and boom, <laughs> door slams, cut to commercial. And on that note, boom, door slams, cut to commercial. When we come back, we will continue the saga of Ryan and Trey. And we open. Now this, Ryan runs straight to Marissa, crying about some door got slammed in his face when he was just being a nice boy. <laughs> and he's just like, I think I'm a real asshole. And then Marissa's like, I'll handle it, baby. Oh, I'm not allowed to call you that. I'll handle everything. So she rolls into Trey's, and she's like, dude, it's your birthday. I can't. I can't let you just be here alone. I'm going to take you out to dinner. And he goes to – he does his bumblefuck for the door keys, as you described earlier. Uh, Some great Tom Hardy acting. And one of the best Marissa burns she's ever had, she's like, what, you're afraid somebody's going to steal your bean bag? Why isn't Marissa that funny all the time? <laughs> that was mean. But, and yeah, it's perfect because it sort of points out how he's not great at the back and forth. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I am. It's my bed. And that's, it's that's my really study. It. <laughs> it's my entertainment. It's my lover. I, when, when Marissa comes over earlier, he says, oh, do you want something to drink? I only have one glass. Because she's talking about that beanbag. <laughs> she's just going to pour, pour a puddle of water on it. <laughs> Slurp. Sip from this, please. <laughs> it's not a sex thing. It's just all I have. This is probably the last time I go to Trey's house. <laughs> So she kidnaps Trey and has a surprise party at the biggest house in Newport, which is fine. It's a very nice house, except when you only fill it with four people. It it looks so sad. Yes. Uh, Until, uh, so Ryan goes to shake Trey's hand and Trey wraps him in the biggest of bared hugs. And it's very sweet. Didn't pull, didn't pull an Atwood of just ignoring it and say, hey, don't want to keep Sandy waiting, which I mean, Sandy was not waiting. So that'd be a weird thing to say. It would be a funny move back at his face. Uh, Julie's on her way out. She's there just for a second. And she's like, well, Trey's turning 21. I guess he can have one beer. See, I can be the cool mom. Girl, you were in a porno. You are the cool mom. You don't have to prove it. <laughs> is that your is that your meter? I think so. Were you or were you not in a porno? If not, dumb mom. I've never met a cool mom, man. Let's not both take drinks at the same time. Good call. Uh, and Marissa says, it's fine. It's not like we're throwing a rager. Uh, and then a bus load full of hooligans comes in the door right then. I mean, it's pretty automatic. And I don't know, typically in movies or shows like this, we have one person who's like the sneak. One person who sends the text out or the email or the fax mm-hmm. or the smoke signal or something that says there's a party. But this party is literally Trey, Marissa, Ryan, Seth, and Summer. Yes. I don't know who got anything they out. They got wine, but they got cheese, they got crudite. I guess at a party like this, or at a house like this, rather, you're always driving by hoping, and this is the night, baby. This is the night. And, like, I'm, I'm assuming they invited a few other friends over or something. It's weird for four of them to turn into this, but because it's a little soiree. They're like, this is fine. This is fine. But then when the girl is like, is there a party here? And Marissa's like, uh, she really Kirsten's it. And then the girl's just like, it is here, guys, and just brings every high school throughout the OC to this house. I think there was a outtake here by the way really yeah when they march in like and it starts with the guys in the letterman jacket Uh the buff guys who we know are probably going to do something to seth at some point 
They all come in with their kegs and whatnot. And Benjamin McKenzie just starts fucking laughing. <laughs> he just straight up laughs. And that doesn't feel like something that Ryan Atwood, like that's not how he right. would react. That's a real teenager's response. Isn't this hilarious? Yeah. You just said it's <laughs> it's not like we're throwing a rager and then this happened. And I don't know if you guys, if anybody, if any listeners are still in high school uh, and don't, don't know a Marissa Cooper, no one. Get to know a Marissa Cooper. Somebody who has a house like that and doesn't yeah. give a fuck about her parents. That's where you're going to be hanging out for the rest of your high school career. You can say no pretty easily. And she just didn't try. She's like, well, this is the yeah. night now. <laughs> you can call the police. You can do so many things. You can just say, please, no. This is not the kind of night this is going to be. It won't work. They'll throw beers at your head. Closed beers. <laughs> So we're, we're bouncing around the party that is now fully a rager. Uh, and just like it was the first couple episodes of season one, the water polo guys, and this is a new batch. Uh, this is the Grease 2 version of the water polo team. Just starts fucking with Seth hard. And Trey decks the guy, grabs him by the throat until he whines, I got a game tomorrow. Okay, so that sort of uh, deflated the whole like serious, seriousness of the conversation. But we have to one-up the Atwoodiness. So Atwood would have stopped the fight and probably getting the shit kicked out of him. But Trey instead grabs the leader by the throat. By the throat. That's a game changer. And while choking him, takes him to the mm-hmm. ground, slams him hard to the ground. Uh, Trey ends the fight immediately. He does not have a pool cue, no. so it's not as like as efficient as most of his fights. But man, he is good at what he does. Yeah. He's just really what? What was the, his Venom movie? He was really channeling upgrade. upgrade. <laughs> yes. Uh, and immediately, some trashy girl uh, hits on Trey. She sees him. Jess Sadler. She sees him take a guy down by his neck and goes, yes, you and I have <laughs> to do this now. My boyfriend is in the other room. Let's go. Jess Sadler watches this happen, and then she touches, like, just above her crotch area. She's like, oh, my tramp stamp is burning. I feel like I'm in love. That's not where a tramp stamp goes. That is a reverse tramp stamp. And Trey's like. They can go anywhere. <laughs> if you're a tramp. Trey's like, what's that? She's like, it's a Buddha smoking a joint. So before they go off, though, I want to talk about. (laughs) I want to talk about Ryan and Seth and Marissa at this party because they go to a party literally every week. Mm -hmm. Okay, every single episode that we've done, we have talked about the parties that they go to. But this made me realize that for a show that's supposed to be about high school kids, this is like our third high school party ever, and maybe our second since like the the first two episodes of the show. This is not a show that focuses on the high school parties. This is a show that drops these kids into adult parties all the time. time. And I think that's interesting. I think that, one, this has to be a reflection of Josh Schwartz as an adult being at adult parties and not knowing how to handle it, (laughs) Uh right? And sort of like writing his all of his thoughts about what it's like to be an adult party. But what do you think it is about this show that puts these kids in different situations that they would normally be in i think uh more scenarios you're not repeating the same thing all the time uh eventually you're like those kids are binge drinking this isn't fun anymore uh and also you bring in the parents being at adult parties you get to mix all your cast together versus like if sandy and kirsten were just in the corner of this now they are the worst parents that is true (laughs) that is true but when we get the kids in adult parties that is that's like a that's a crazy mixture oh my god what's going on this is not how it's supposed to be and then they get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Of course they would. But in every episode that they get in trouble at an adult party, in almost every one, you can trace it back to an adult being the reason for that. Right. You know, somebody lied, somebody uh, did something wrong, and a kid found out. Something happened where the kid freaks out because of adults doing something wrong. 
and it sort of, it, I don't know, it all just sort of became like this whole Goonies thing, or like the mid-80s, it's a group of kids fighting a group of adults, which is weird because we have Marguerite Moreau in this episode, who was a mighty fucking duck. Uh, that is weird. That we just have to always be going against the adults, and that doesn't leave a lot of time for kid parties. The kid parties are boring, and that's the thing, is that the kids think the kid parties are boring. Right. Ryan walks by a table, uh, guys doing coke, and he's like, he rolls his eyes and he says, looking good, guys. Uh, very sarcastically, by the way. He does not actually think they're looking good. What? They're bored by this shit at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, just just like kids in high school. Uh, it's the same thing every day, same people every day. So, yeah, they're not going to, it's not fun, but adult parties, who knows whose parent was fucking over somebody else's parent. And I'm either going to get an adult to make me punch someone, or I'm going to get an adult <laughs> gonna, to punch someone. I'm going to make them. So now Ryan's this puppet <laughs> master is just like, send me in. I will punch whatever adult you other adult tell me to. I just need oh, it. He could make so much money. He could make so much money. Adult blood. Are you saying his nickname should be Knuckles B. Thirsty? <laughs> yep. That's what I'm saying. Uh, before we take a break, I want to get so, so Buddha Tattoo takes Trey up in the room, and there's people like sleeping in every 13 bedrooms. Uh, and she, he tells her he was in prison. Uh, she reacts very similarly the way Marissa was acting to Ryan in the pilot. Like she thinks he's joking. And then she says, well, convict time to open your present. Uh, is she a high school kid? Is there there's something unethical going on here? Yes. My guess is I'm going to bring in the R word. Um, she is a little bit Riverside Refined. and that's, that's how she got to here. Um, she's probably from a different area that can hear about parties that are in this area and uh, came in. But, like, you know, game recognizes game. She's not going to go for some Newport Harbor exactly. jock idiot. Right. She's going to find the Riverside at this party. I assume that's why they gave that character a tattoo, so we're not worried about it. Like, it's the show very uh-huh. suddenly saying, she's 18, bro. But it was uncomfortable because the, the whole time, other than Trey, they're like, high school, high school, high school, high school. Now Trey's going to go fuck this kid. You're like, mm. And with that, Ryan, we have to take a break. We come back. We're going to finish the Rager. Ryan, so Trey's hooking up, and we check in with Marissa and Ryan, and Marissa's just drinking a water, and we realize she hasn't been like the drinking girl in quite some time, but she is fully sober this episode. She is drinking a Fuji water. Uh, Pop filter aficionados will know. Producer Dave's favorite kind of water. (laughs) Number one out of the top five, of which there's no two through five. But he will list Fuji a few times. (laughs) He probably will. Uh, And this is that they are chugging water on her bed. After they kick a threesome out, uh, and Ryan looks at her and says, "You, you've been amazing." And then, hold on, hold on, kick a threesome out. Then, do you lay on that bed? No, you get new sheets immediately. Yeah, like, or just burn the bed. I assume that if a threesome has just happened, or even was about to happen, you just lay down on the bed, and pubic hairs shoot from everywhere, every the corner of the room. <laughs> yeah, from your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting curse. Uh so Mercy says the reason she's been so amazing is she knows what it's like to have somebody believe in you when nobody else does. Kind of pointing out to Ryan one that he used to be really good to her and also that he's been a real piece of shit to his brother who she'd probably be a little cooler to. Which, come on, for Marissa to do two or three things with one line of dialogue is pretty goddamn impressive. Yeah. Impressive uh, for her character. Impressive for the show. Like, yeah. they normally don't pack that much punch in one line. <laughs> and Ryan notices. Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin McKenzie somehow doesn't, but Ryan does, which is weird. It's weird to watch an actor do that. He fully loses himself in the character, which is good because it's an <laughs> IQ upgrade. Marissa does 
I'm sorry, uh, Misha does prop a pillow underneath Ben's head <laughs> so, so he can't lean over too far. <laughs> it's starting, it's starting. Give me another pillow. <laughs> Uh, and that their moment is interrupted by by a, a, some sort of ruckus uh, outside. Somebody screams, yes. like a horror movie, yes. like like a ghost face killer, not from Wu Tang but from Scream, has come in and has started murdering people. <laughs> Which I would love to see that Halloween episode of the OC. Uh, and there's a dead looking girl in the pool, and Seth jumps in and saves her, like he's not Seth. Uh, and it's the Buddha tattoo girl, which is uh, worrisome. Which the first thing I thought is, did Trey throw her off the 13th floor <laughs> into the pool? So Trey just has sex in a very weird way. In a fit of glee. Uh, I love the fact, though, that it was Seth in a full-on Saved by the Bell moment where you know how every kid on Saved by the Bell has the exact same schedule and they're all in the exact same classes? Mm-hmm. We cut down to the pool and somebody we know has to be saving her and it's Seth of, come on, really? Really? It's not Zach. Zach it's not it makes Summer. So much more sense. Reed. We know Reed more. Yeah. Like to save somebody than Seth. Uh, it's all the water polo guys were like, I, I my hammies. I got to keep them warm. The game tomorrow. I can't. I know. Got a big game tomorrow. Game tomorrow. I can't. Oh, I'm not gonna. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, the, uh, so we get Jess Sadler, hood rat extraordinaire, out of there and put her on there. And we all know it's fucking Jess. Mm-hmm. We know it's Jess. But the camera is unsure. So the camera follows her body right as slowly as possible. <laughs> Shows the tattoo, all the fuzzies up to her blue shirt, uh, the boobs popping out of the shirt, and then finally to the face, like, oh, it's Jess Sadler, oh, no. the girl we totally knew it was. That's not the character's name, right? That's, that, that no, the, that's the character's name. That is the character. Yeah. Did, did they say that a bunch of times? It feels like you went to school with her or she's an actor you know in a bunch of things. <laughs> I looked her up on the internet a couple times. No, uh, Jess Sadler is going to become a bigger deal as we go on. Okay. It's not that I'm weird. It's that you're weird for not knowing I that. Guess I'm, I just assumed she like was an actor in, I don't know, An American Tale 2 or something that you loved. Sadler Goes West? <laughs> I didn't realize. And gets a tattoo? I didn't realize she'd be a big deal. Uh, Sadler Goes West is what it, she calls giving blowjobs. So that doesn't make sense. Trey runs up and gives the Kirsten. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then cops start coming, which is good. Uh, well, hold on. That's unfair. The DJ played a song that had beats, and then the DJ, or like the lyrics in the song were like, do the Kirsten. So yeah. Trey had no choice but to do the dance. It was a Crash Test Dummies dance remix. Instead of mmming, it was um umming. Uh, so the cops roll up, and, and this is at some point somebody calls Sandy. Everybody is convening at the same time. And the cop says, uh, the girl apparently OD'd on ecstasy, and he says, till I find out who sold the drugs, I'm arresting the owner of the house. Fucking no, that's not the law for one. And two, the owner of the house isn't the 16-year-old idiot. Now, Mike, I know that we are not professional law readers, <laughs> but are you saying that it's untrue where if the cops come over and some girl, possibly of her own volition, possibly of some random person that has nothing to do with the owners of the house. Of the 200 o- people there? ODs on a drug, and the parents, the owners of the house are gone. They have no choice but to arrest the 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Are you saying that that is fake? That's the horseshit. That's like if your parent dies and leaves a bunch of debt, and the bank's like, I guess you owe it now. You fucking don't. <laughs> and apparently, if you pull your pockets out and there's nothing in there except for butterflies, and you leave your empty pockets out, you still have to pay that debt. And now you're out through butterflies. 
<laughs> you can't even sell those butterflies. Uh, and Trey says, hey, it was mine. And literally everybody, including the cop, is like, nope, but okay, got to cuff somebody. Yeah. Let's bring the guy with the record down. And it's, Sandy's like, don't say anything. I'm his lawyer. He should have said, I'm your lawyer. Do not do this now. Like, you will be thrown <laughs> right back. You were on parole, brother. It it was a uh, hot cuff potato, and that cop had to get some cuffs on somebody as soon as possible. <laughs> you wish it lasted longer? Like Oliver rolls in, he's like, "No, it was me." They try to Spartacus, and yet I will still give Marissa Queen of the Party because she has the line, "Hey, my mom said that Trey could have one beer," <laughs> and that really did sum up everything. Did she say that to the cop as he was cuffing? <laughs> I swear, my mom said. <laughs> so this is fine, uh, and that's all the time we have today, Ryan. Nope, we didn't talk about Julie at all. We didn't talk about Julie at all. We didn't talk about uh, the comic books. We only referenced Reed. We haven't even talked about our connection to her. What about Reed, the name of a boy, in fact, a comic book boy, Reed Richards, but it's a girl, Mike. Oh it's a girl. Goodness. Save that for the awards, Ryan. I want to say thank you to the Holophonics. I want to say thank you to the listeners for going to yourpopfilter.com or yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon to do your shopping needs or patreon.com slash yourpopfilter to help us out. Ryan, what podcasts are out there for them? Make sure that you are listening to, downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing Superhero Hour Hour, the only show on the internet that talks about every single TV show based on the comic book and movie of the year, which at this point doesn't talk about movies anymore, despite its title. It's been so long since I've watched a fucking movie, man. But at some point, some point soon, I promise you, Mike and I will return to battling each other to figure out what movie is the best movie of any given year, movie of the year, and the superhero hour hour. Follow us on social at your pop filter, and you know what? Email us contact at yourpopfilter.com if if you have some things to say. If you if you are a, what did Ryan say a law reader, uh, and that is the law is that whoever you want to handcuff because somebody I am the law. Email us. Tell us what's what. Until then, stay gay, dads, and get me those goddamn Green Lantern. JPEGs. California, California.